Hello everyone, Happy New Year. Welcome to Talking About Death Will Not Kill You. I'm Lisa and I am talking to a good friend today. Hi Nick. Hello. So Nick and I uh, have been friends since high school, probably the, the last couple of years of high school. And unfortunately, Nick's um, probably displeasement. He's tethered to me because me and his wife are good friends. So he's he's been stuck with me ever since, since then. All true. <laughs> All true, thanks. <laughs> Look, I get that it's a lot to like me. I really do. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, he agreed. Not only did he agree to be on my podcast, but he even reminded me um, the other day when we caught up. So. He, he's asked for this. It's all on him. I'm not um, wearing it, but to a point, you asked for it, Nick. So. <laughs> Again, all true. <laughs> so um, you're going to have to remind me the details. I, so you lost your dad. When did you lose your dad? What, what year was that? Was it? It'll, it's coming up on two years, March. So it was, so it was 2020. Okay. Yeah. And, and was your dad ill? What, what happened? Yeah, so dad had effectively every type of ailment known to man wrong with him, I suppose. Um, He was a type 2 diabetic that was insulin dependent. He had a pacemaker. He had sleep apnea. And then he had um, renal failure. So he ended up having to do dialysis from his home a few times a week and then cancer got him in the end. How long had he had these ailments though? Like he had, I'm guessing he had diabetes for a few years. It's not something that hit him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He had diabetes for a while. He'd had um, sleep apnea. Like he was one of the first, I want to say, first people in Australia to have a sleep apnea machine, which is what people have when they have sleep apnea. Um, And so, yeah, he, Effectively, he, he didn't look after himself. But um, with the cancer in itself, he the bushfires happened in started really in earnest in New Year's Eve of 2019, 2020. Yeah, New Year's Eve, and um, we got down to visit them in around Australia Day, and he wasn't well then, but we didn't know what was wrong. And then a couple of weeks later, he had some scans. It didn't look good. And this was, by that stage, it was sort of mid-February. Um, and then sort of towards the end of February, they said, look, we can maybe do some treat you, but that will give you maybe months and it'll be really bad. It'll be really uncomfortable. Um, so dad rang me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, it sounds like you're going to have a shit time regardless. So um, if you don't want to do it, I wouldn't think ill of you. And he said, great. And so he didn't. And then so a couple of weeks after that, he died. Wow. That was quick. What was the the cancer? What type? um, Good question. I cannot for the life of me pronounce it. Um, What did it affect? It was a type all of him um but essentially it's a type of cancer that is only generally only impacts people who have a combination of renal failure and diabetes okay oh wow okay and i'm assuming it it's it sounds sounds quite aggressive considering it was it was really really quick yeah yeah so 
Yeah, so we got down there like this is kind of weird. Weird. Dad had a dad had a history of not doing things that he didn't enjoy doing. Yeah, and most of those things enjoyed that he did not enjoy doing was being in crowds. So whenever we would go to visit, if we we're going to somewhere there'd be a crowd, he'd just go, "Nah, I've been there before. Oh, yeah. I'm not going." Yeah. And so on Australia like- Day. <laughs> On Australia Day, it was when we went down there, we were going out to the club. And at first, my mum, I think, and but definitely me, we, we had the shits with him because he, like, we were going out for Australia Day and he didn't want to go. And we didn't know he was sick. Right. And, and But that was a relatively was normal thing for him to, to not want to do. So technically, you yeah, that's right. anything. Correct. So... So yeah, we sort of just let it go by the wayside at the time, but yeah, it turned out that he was really unwell, and he had yeah multitude of tests and whatnot. And when they found out what it was, it was basically uh, all we can do is make you comfortable. We can't do anything else. Right. Which and because of our my dad's history with doctors and hospitals and whatnot my grandmother on my dad's side had alzheimer's disease and so i can't remember her not being bedridden right um and so my dad sorry your dad didn't want that for himself as well no so he hated hospitals basically because whenever we would go and see his mom in the in the nursing home slash hospital thing that she was in she would be bedridden and it's not a great descriptor but mm. it's disgusting in fact but she was a breathing corpse yeah like that's what she was oh she wasn't even conscious. so no mm. no so she wasn't cognizant anyway yeah. <laughs> of anything but um so yeah seeing that sort of thing like we all sort of recognised that dad didn't want that at all. He didn't want to die in a hospital, so he wanted to be at home and that was where he died. Uh, conversations surrounding death, I'm guessing, so you already, ha- you already had that notion, you, you all share that same experience with his mum in, in basically in hospice sort of her. Mm-hmm. Did you actively have conversations about what was going to happen over the next month? Did that? Oh, Dad made it painfully clear what was going to happen. Yeah. So like he was very is, realistic, like, which is good. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like he's like when they said that we can put you in hospice care or something like that, Dad said, no, I'm going to die at home with Bev, yeah. which is my mum. And then, which was fine. And then we even sat down and like had a really funny conversation about his funeral. Yeah. But at that, po- that point, we didn't even know like, both my mum and I are of a similar ilk where neither of us want a funeral. Yeah. Um, and but dad said, Yeah, I'll have a funeral. But he also was very specific. He did he only wanted my mum and I to speak. Right. At the funeral. Wow. He didn't want anyone else to speak. Yeah. And then there was some and there was then there was a lot of jokes like about the fact that he would have highway to hell blasting when <laughs> if you, when the when the casket left and all these sorts of things. So yeah, yeah. But so yeah, it was good. But it's it it's was, refreshing because then you don't want any questions afterwards. You don't want. Uh, I don't know what they want. Like you, 
having for people having to deal with that it just it makes the whole i mean it's already a pretty shitty experience but it makes it like a really crappy to have to think fuck am i doing the right thing is this what this person would have wanted <laughs> yeah but it was also one of those things i keep thinking about ever afterwards which is if you are if you know you're gonna die and this is something that i will think about now mm -hmm. is if you know you're gonna die think about what room you want to die in because my dad died in his bed in his bedroom which is fine which is great which is the <laughs> where you would imagine you would want to die right yeah but it was the worst fucking room in his house so then when the funeral people come to collect him yeah by the way there was a lady who weighed as much as much as your youngest daughter and, <laughs> come and to collect him. Uh, and, and a guy who weighed as much as david who came to collect a guy who was as big as me right and right. so myself and my uncle <laughs> who my uncle is also not well, are then having to help them move my dad oh, because they can't do it. And they could and they couldn't get him they couldn't get into the room. What was <laughs> what was the issue? Was it just the fact that it was an awkward room? Was it upstairs? Was it yeah. around a corner? Was it it was all everything. of the above. <laughs> all of the above. And I said I, I sort of jokingly said to my mum at one about the window. Said, You're gonna have to fucking open the window and like chuck him out. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so silly. Yep. Man, what a what a send off that would be. Heave, ha! Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Should have always no. got a hold of one of those slippery dips. No, <laughs> the spinny ones, because you want to have a bit of fun on your last one. You don't want the you don't want 100%. a metal one. That would burn. That would be not pleasant. No one's experienced fun with those. Yeah. So you mentioned before, just backtracking. You mentioned before that he wasn't well when you when you caught up with him at Australia Day was it what was, was he was he verbalizing how he was not well did he just feel shit? did he have bigger symptoms? yeah that yeah dad he was just lethargic more than anything else and then more than normal. And, yeah more than normal and dad was prone occasionally to get like vertigo right and he sort of complained about that a little bit and then and I genuinely thought that he was just putting it on and that he just didn't want to go down and go out for Australia Day. Yeah. But it wasn't until, like, I think, like, the next morning that we heard him actually being sick. Right. And we went, oh, shit, okay, he's actually, yeah, was yeah. actually unwell. Yeah. Like, lucky, lucky I didn't give him a gobful about not coming. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing you'd have to think about. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have enough. Sit there, and I don't know if you're like me, but I always sit there thinking, "What if I'd done this differently? What if I'd done that differently?" And that's, yeah, to not to not add to that list is always a good thing. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So, um, were you there when he passed away at home? Yeah. So you probably don't remember my mum all that much, mm. but. Um, my mum is the way I sort of describe her to people who haven't met her is she's joyful, right? She's always very happy. From when she's I see her always... comment on your photos and, and on Facebook, I think I've only ever met her at like family gatherings, like maybe a couple of kids' birthday yeah. parties, and we've not really chatted. But whenever, yeah. whenever she um, 
comments on photos you guys post on Facebook. It's always a beautiful, I'm so happy for you guys. It's always full of joy. Yeah, and she's always happy. She's always laughing. She's always got a goddamn camera in her hand um, and all those sorts of things. But so on the Thursday night before he died, um, Danielle, my wife, was uh, at a board meeting for her work. And I was at home with the kids and I had Danielle and I and the kids had gone down and visited the weekend before. But this coming weekend we weren't going to because it was my best mate's um, uh, engagement party. Right. And so mum and dad said, no, 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 don't come back down, go to that. Anyway, on the Thursday night, Danielle's out at her board meeting and the kids are in bed and my mum rang me and my mum was in an absolute blind panic and it's how I've never heard my mum before and mm -hmm. frankly never want to hear her again Yeah, because she was absolutely panicked and she usually mums the sort of calm in if you want advice if you want help she's the person who will kind of think clearly and think logically and help you get through it yeah. and she wasn't like that yeah and because she knew that he was closer to the end than the beginning so to speak yes and so daniel got home and then there was some arguing about me driving down that night and then it was decided that I'd go down the next morning. Of course, I left at about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Still considered morning, yeah. Um, yeah, on Friday, Friday morning, drove down there and Dad was okay. Not By okay, I mean he was alive. Yes. And he was in and out of consciousness all the time. He couldn't get out of bed. And by this stage, there's one of those things that you don't, the way it was described to me anyway by the nurses and whatnot who came to the house that day was that effectively when you are dying, your body fights against it. Mm -hmm. So your body shakes and convulses and does things to try its best to keep you going. To restart it. So that, so you got some you got some advice from the nurses that you you both got prepped for this event? So yeah, so effect, effectively they were just coming there to give him uh, give him a um, tubing and whatnot so that mum or I could give him pain relief if needed yep. or calming or sedative or something like that if, yep. if needed as well. And they, the lady sort of described it to me and said, look, because at that point he couldn't do dialysis anymore and the reason why he couldn't do dialysis anymore was because he just couldn't keep his arms still. Yeah. And that was effectively the way he ended up dying was that his, because once you, if you, if you need to do dialysis after a few days of not doing dialysis, well, that, your body just shuts down. Yeah. And if anyone tells you, of which they had told us and I have heard many times prior, was that if you are on 
dialysis and you don't do dialysis, you just drift off to sleep and you die peacefully. Yeah. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe if that was the sole reason, maybe. Well, that well, effectively, the the cancer is was killing him. Yes, but the, the probably, not, I suppose on the, the on the death certificate, cause of death would be something related to the fact that he didn't have dialysis. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but because of that simple fact is that the body is still trying to fight back. Yeah. Right. So dad was shaking like hell when he died like convulsing like seizure style yeah yeah Yeah. correct and so that day the day before on the friday it was the nurses came did that taught us how to do it if, if needed and we went through the day sort of unchecked when dad was conscious i was able to sort of have quick bursts of conversation with him yeah which was not long sort of 20 30 seconds at best yeah and then he'd sort of drift off and he'd have like water and whatnot to drink and but nothing more and then it was nice because i was able to tell him that i loved him and he was able to say the same so that was great and then the next morning um on the Saturday morning he died were you both there to see that was there a moment because I, I know no, there's a, no. no I, I wasn't in the room um I sort of came out of the lounge room and mum came out of the back bedroom where dad was and we sort of met in the kitchen and she said that he, he's gone Right. So she woke up to find him gone? No, she didn't sleep. Okay. Okay. So he wasn't hooked up to machines and stuff? It wasn't like... No. Okay. No. Okay. So um, because I I know that there's a thing about it's quite often like a normal occurrence for people to pass away when as soon as somebody leaves the room, it's almost like they can't do it with someone watching them. Oh, yeah. I just yeah, wanted to see if that was an experience you guys had had as well because it seems to be a common one with a couple of people I've talked to. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to people where that's happened as well and I've also heard people like my gran apparently waited until she had seen everyone who she wanted to see and then died, Yeah, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, or at least that's the, the family story. Yeah. <laughs> So how long after that, what what was the next steps? You guys had to contact the hospital, I would assume? No, we had to, you had to um, contact the, the the nursing staff who yeah. then have to actually come around and pronounce yeah. him dead. Mm-hmm. And so they come and then you, then you contact the funeral uh, home to collect him. Yeah which again was quite weird because I wasn't aware that apparently you can have the person in your, your dead loved one in your home for like a week. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that at the time. I wasn't aware of it either until I did this podcast. So 
yeah. And it was one of those things. And mum and I sort of looked at each other and we're like, mum was like, no, you can't. <laughs> I'd like you to be out of here today, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, I need a closure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you mentioned getting, getting him out of the house and, and in the place that he was, was traumatic. Uh, how was that experience of having to help the staff do that? I, I found it. I found it funny after the fact because yep. it was just sort of it was just a comedy of errors. Really, it was like as soon as I saw this little lady walking yep. up the house, I was like, "You can lift my eight-year-old, let alone my dad. Like, yep. what the yeah, hell I are can, you doing here?" I can totally picture was, your face, to be honest. It was so funny, like it, after the fact, and then and you then I was, paperwork. Surely you can't be here to carry. <laughs> Yeah, and and then, but the other side of it too was I found funny was like I really badly hurt my back, (laughs) like helping lift dad because Uh I was on one side with this little lady and then the guy from the funeral home was doing his best and then there's my uncle who, who, as I said, was quite ill himself. Yeah. And they're lifting. So effectively it's me and one other guy and then, I'm sort of crammed up against the wall, falling over. I've got no shoes on, so I kick the gurney. Oh, fuck. And then I pull the muscles in my back and neck and, yeah, I was like, you old prick, you got me on the way out. I mean, that's a story when you, like, when, you, when you've hurt yourself and, you know, when you go to say you were going to work and then they say, oh, you've hurt yourself, how would you do that? Well, it's a funny story, I should tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to give my dead dad a pee back, right? <laughs> Man, I mean, now it is. Now it's a funny thing, but really, um, I hope you passed on to the funeral home people that they really should bring adequate size staff, strength staff. Well, that was that was what I said at the start. Like, yeah, is like legitimately, if you know you're going to die, think yeah. about the room in which you're going to die. Yeah. I know that's yeah. a like a, a no, very might like. It's a very. It would be a very small percentage of people who would have this this problem, but mm. it was a problem. <laughs> thinking about dying at home, which is a completely normal thing now, and more probably more common than than it was even when your dad passed. It's um yeah, it is good to consider those things because you know at the end of the day, you know you planned all your funeral and you plan it. You, you're doing all these things so that your loved ones aren't stuck doing these decisions for you, and it, the last thing you want to do is having a loved one manoeuvre. Your um, your empty yeah. vessel out the house, <laughs> contemplating yeah. throwing you out the window because it seems the most <laughs> logistical thing to do. And let's be honest, it was not the first time I had that thought. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. We all have parents. Who yeah. We've all been there. Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure my son had that that thought this morning. <laughs> you call him because I probably would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> so were you there did you stay with your mum to help like until the funeral sort of thing how did it work after that yeah so I helped mum with the funeral arrangements and whatnot and that was all that was all dad was a very basic sort of guy so we didn't have to organize ministers or priests or yep. flowers or anything like that like like truly he would have been happy if it was a cardboard box like yeah. 
that didn't ma matter to him. Love the style, yeah. So, yeah, so it was really, really simple. And so, you know, I helped organise like a, a presentation like of with song that Dad loved and um, photos from his life and those sorts of things and then organise a program on the day and spend a lot of time on the phone ringing everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and that was – but then sort of one of the things that I do regret is that I left and I left to – I suppose it comes – comes to one of those things about men and grief, like men. I subsequently did a lot of reading and whatnot because I didn't, I don't, at the time I, I sort of had the conscious thought, I'm not doing this right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing the grief thing right. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that this is generally, general gross generalisation is that men do things like they go, health leather into different things yep. in, and try to ignore the emotional side of things mm -hmm. which is exactly what i did yeah. um but it's a, so it's, I a, it's a form of self-protection really yeah exactly mm. so i left and for i left effectively to go back i was for people not you but for people listening i was yeah. five hours away from home yeah and so I drove back home to tell the kids what had happened mm -hmm. and to bring them back with me. Now, none of that was necessary. Mm -hmm. Like Danielle could have told the kids she could have driven down by herself, but I felt it necessary. Mm -hmm. And then this, the reason why I felt it necessary was a was that self-preservation thing but the two the second side of things was i wanted to be the one who told the kids yeah not that i didn't think danielle could impart the information but no, yeah i had an i had an incredibly bad experience when i was a kid with the death of my grandmother right and how that impacted on me and so i wanted to make sure that how the kids were told was told in a specific in a specific way. Yep. And so I'll tell you the story because I already prefaced Do you it. mind if we go on a side trek and you tell me what this bad experience? It was shit. Um, so long story short, I'll try and make it I'll try and make it as short as possible. Cool. So when I was a, when I was a kid, I was born in Wagga and then we I did some of my growing up in regional Victoria and then when I was still very little we moved to Sydney and my I used to go before school every primary school that is before primary school every morning I would go to my grand's house which is my mum's mum and I would stay there watching cartoons of the morning until I had to go at, when the TV told me it was a specific time I would leave go down catch a bus go to school and my gran would sit at a little card table in her kitchen and just continuously smoke, mm -hmm. right? And anyway, one day I was sitting there watching TV and I heard a commotion behind me and I turned around and my gran fell to her hands and knees and was violently ill. And I was seven, 
maybe eight, most likely seven. And I went into a blind panic. I had no idea what to do. Mm. And in between my grand being sick, she told me to get Gloria. Now, Gloria was a, a neighbour directly across the road mm-hmm. who also happened to be like a distant relation. Right. So I knew her. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I pissed bolded across the road mm-hmm. and bashed on her door and there was no answer. So I ran back. My grand's been more ill. Mm-hmm. Still don't know what to do. So I get on to my grand's phone, find the phone number and start ringing Gloria's house because it just didn't dawn on me to ring an ambulance. No, you're little. Yeah. And then I, no one was answering. So I ran across the road again to her house. And I remember clearly thinking to myself, I'm going to kick her door down. Yeah. And I went and I, you know, obviously I'm seven, I'm not going to kick her door down, but I bashed the living shit out of it and she came out to the the front door and she was in a towel. She'd been in the shower. And I told her what was happening and she put me in front of her TV and she went and sorted out what was going on with my grand. Right. Anyway, long story short, I clock went, I... I don't know how my bag ended up behind me. I grabbed my bag and I went to school. I didn't even talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And then later that day, my dad picked me up. And then subsequently, my grand died. She had a brain embolism em- mm-hmm. and she died. Now, yeah. cut to a little while later. This is where it gets shit. Was we were in oh, really? my memory. Sorry, my I thought memory. we were already there. Fuck. No, no. My memory is that we were all in, and by all, I mean my mum and her brothers and all of their subsequent families were in my grand's house. And I, I don't know if we were there for a reason or just to be there. And I just remember being in the kitchen, being little. And I remember my mum and dad weren't in the room. I do know that. And a particular family member, somebody had said something and asked about Graham and whether or not she would be by herself. And I said, I was there. And then another family member made a joke. Now, in hindsight and with adult clarity, I know that this was just, it was just a dumb joke. Yeah, but as a seven-year-old kid, no. but, But they made a joke effectively intimating that it was my fault she was dead. So fucking hell. I then and then where it gets worse is again with adult clarity, you know, you're looking at all the other adults in the room, they're all embarrassed by what this dickhead has said. But what a seven-year-old sees is a bunch of adults who won't look you in the eye which suddenly tells you they think it too. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, fuck. They think I killed her and they hate me for it. Mm-hmm. So cut to my kids yeah. <laughs> finding out, suddenly it becomes very important for me to tell them myself. Yep. Bloody hell. And then, and then 
making sure that particularly with Abby, because she is the more emotional of my two, that any time she started crying about it, about her poppy being dead, was that she knew that that was okay. Yeah. Now, again, none of that was really necessary, but that was my way of keeping a stranglehold on everything and making sure that everyone understood what was going on and whatnot. And and therefore necessary. Yeah. You needed it. Well, to me it was. Yeah, well, yeah, well, if you needed it, therefore it is necessary. I mean, look, it could have been handled differently. It doesn't mean it was any better or any worse. It means it was necessary at the time. Yeah, we all... We all make those those calls where you think, oh, maybe I probably could have done that differently, not necessarily better, just differently. Yeah. But, but at the time, it's what was needed. Yeah. Did you ever get any any adult tell you, did you ever talk about that experience with your grandmother? Not, not until I was an adult. Really? Yeah. Because the thing was, was like I, I, I had gone to a, I had ended up at one point going to a counsellor and psychologist for different things and it was one of the many things I ended up speaking about and and they were very helpful in helping that sort of process and understanding yeah. it more. Yeah. And then yeah, and then I and then like my like my mum knew nothing about it until I was an adult. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a shit thing to be carrying around. Um, <clears throat> but we all have that shit. Um, it's just a bit yeah. of shit that we carry. Um, that's it. So how did how did the funeral go? Was it a nice? It was it like was it a nice funeral? But yeah, was it a nice funeral? Do you think your dad would have been happy with it? Did you get close? Oh, yeah. To it? Yeah, like we like that. Um, as I said, dad only wanted mum and I to speak. Mum did a really good uh, sort of timeline of dad's life yeah. and what he had done and over his life. And, and then I did more, uh, more of a piss take more than anything else. And also um, just telling him, uh, telling people about what he was like as a father and a grandfather. Yeah. And, and so in that front, it was it was really good. The, the pain of it, though, was COVID. was yes. because COVID, he died in March of 2020, and that's yes. when, like, his funeral was on a Friday and then, the res- like, the restrictions started, like, that following week, that weekend. I was going to say, did they collapse? Yeah, no, we were still able to have a full funeral, but the problem was is that people quite rightly were wary and didn't want to travel yeah and so there were people who would have liked it and we would have liked to have had there but they weren't able to yeah um so you you mentioned to me before so as as a a male experiencing grief you mentioned that you'd get uh, a, a sexist sort of experience with people in the way that they would approach you uh, ask questions. I wouldn't go so far as to say it was sexist. I think oh, yeah. it's just a difference in, I think it's a difference in the way that men and women treat 
grief number one. Yeah. And the and I found it really interesting again later how people treated everyone else in my family versus me. So they treated the kids really well. They treated Danielle really well. They treated my mum really well. And they didn't know what the fuck to do with me. Okay. So what I meant by that was an example is, is that I had two people ask me, like, if I was coping and if I was okay. Yeah. Every single person I spoke to asked me if Daddy Elle was coping, if she was okay. Everyone asked me if mum was okay and if she needed any help and how the kids were. But no one, and no one asked any of them whether or not I was coping. So it was just odd. Like, I just found it really odd that nobody knew what to do with the men dealing with grief. And then, I, and then I'd spoken to some other guys who I know who had had kind of more recent bereavements, and I asked them the point of question. I said, like, did anyone check on you? And they're like, no, nah, of course not. And I went, why? And they said, well, I don't know. And, and that's kind of the thing is, and then I was having a conversation with a mate and I said, we're, we're now tracking towards this thing where men quite rightly are supposed to be more open about their mental health and whatnot. And then when they're at their most vulnerable, no one is checking on them. Yeah. And I found that really interesting. And then I started, again, going down this rabbit hole of, trying to understand how people grieve and how if there is a difference between how men grieve and women grieve Mm -hmm. specifically and of course there is that that it is all just a generalization but what seems to be the truth is that men grieve in isolation they don't grieve out out and about Mm -hmm. and one of the funny things i found was that i find it funny because i've got a dark sense of humor is that men generally get pissed off at grief and other people's grief. So if you are being open about your grief, people, men apparently, seemingly, the generalisation is that we get the shits with you for grieving. You shouldn't, as far as the male intellect is, why? Just get on with it, which is very odd, especially now. What's made you come to that conclusion? I mean, I don't, I don't, I I can't say I've, I've got the perspective from my point of view, losing my mum, if my grief has ever made another um, male counterpart, counterpart angry, per se. So I'm, I'm just thinking, how did you get to that point? Because I've, I've actually never even thought about it. I know that. It was one of those things. Well, the thing was, was that I, I remember thinking about it where now with social media, people post about their grief. On social media yeah and apparently like when you when you deep dive into these sorts of things apparently men negatively are negatively tuned to that versus women yeah. where we shouldn't be like it should be the reverse we shouldn't we're not the reverse but we shouldn't have a negative view on it because whoever is grieving and they feel necessary to post about it on social media or whatnot that's them essentially putting up their hand going can, can someone please check in on me? Yeah. Right? And men go, and the idea is, the theory is anyway, is that men don't 
like to put up their hand. They, again, like to isolate and isolate in their grief or ignore their grief. So the thing about it is, well, you should be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's the theory anyway. As you know, I'm very vocal with the way I've dealt with my mum's death. I wasn't at the start. Mm. Then when she passed away was 2009 and I really didn't really have a presence on social media at that point. Um, Yeah. The year before I made a Facebook account because I was trying to organise our um, 10-year high school reunion and someone told me that Facebook was the way to go to try and find people. Um, And that's not necessarily a good thing now. But anyway, and I remember (laughs) I'd get three reactions when I expressed anything to do with grief. So I'd, I'd get sympathy. And that sympathy kind of stemmed off. I feel bad for her because I couldn't. I can't imagine going through that sort of grief because they have obviously mm-hmm. a relationship with their mum. Or I'd get the sympathy of some people who have lost a parent that's pivotal to them, so they they got it. Um, yeah. I'd get the people trying to help, and by help, um, they would say the wrong things. Like, oh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I actually had one person tell me, but it's natural for parents to go to before children. Like, you should take solace in that that it, that's mm. what's supposed to happen. I don't know how that's supposed to fucking help me, but that that, that sort of inspired <laughs> And it's always, oh, but at least you got this time with her, but at least you got to see two of your children, your second daughter get born, all, all that sort of stuff that people, I've had this um, I've had this mentioned in a couple of other podcast episodes, that they think they're helping, but it's not. And the other one, yeah. which was probably the loudest reaction, is dead silence. So yeah. people that I expected would react didn't. That I would expect, yeah. that I would want to react didn't, and I, I, to throw this in, uh, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring. I ring. I never contacted you to see how you were doing. I probably should have because uh, the sympathy, not the sympathy, the the shared experience of losing a pivotal parent. Um, don't want to sound cocky, but I get it, and I felt like <laughs> I should have done that. But please don't think that not one person asked about your well-being to anyone else because I did. And Danielle would never tell you the conversations we have about you behind your back because we have many. <laughs> and David too. <laughs> but I I was constantly asking um, in her mind because she knows you best. I would, I would assume she knows you best. She lives with you 24-7, um, how you were doing. And I was kind of, I was background stalking. I, and I think the reason why I probably never would have approached you and just full on, like it took a lot of balls this uh, last year for me to message you uh, for your dad's birthday. And I don't know why that was so difficult yeah. for me to do, but mainly because we've not, even though I um, I am, I would consider your wife as my best friend, I feel that you and I aren't that close. And it's not because you're a male, it's just because, yeah. uh, and also I know that when someone can reach out to you, if it reaches out to you at the wrong time, it can break a person, not break a person, but it can open up that wound and then um, it's hard to recover from that. Not that not, not that it's necessarily not worth doing, but I didn't yeah. want to I didn't want to ruin you going, even if you were running at a good on a good day, and then to bring you down and going, how are you doing? Are you coping? Okay, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And then, yeah. No, no, I, I I I get all that, and it, but it is one, of, and that's sort of the thing as well is that when you look into grief and how people grieve is that one of the biggest things is that people don't know what to say or do. Yeah. And you get this advice and you read all this advice, which 
effectively treats everybody the same. Yes. And what that what that does is, and what that advice usually is, is this cookie cutter bullshit, which is just let them know that you're there. Yeah. And it's like, and I disregard that. I mm-hmm. think that's bullshit. And the reason why I think it is because that's putting onus back onto the other person and say, when you want something, then you've got to come and get me. Yeah, it's always that com- that comment, oh, you know I'm here if you need me. I'm always here if you need yeah. me. Yeah. That's it. Yes. Yeah. So what, what would so, you recommend in that, sort of, in that sort of vein then? What would you have wanted? What would have yeah. been most beneficial to you? Well, the thing that I I did get from two different people was, which was like at the time between dad dying and his funeral, two things happened, which was excellent. Was my uncle Jim in Scotland rang me, and all he did was tell me funny stories about stupid shit my dad had done, mm-hmm. and that was that was brilliant. Mm. And then the other thing was. I had another mate who rang me and didn't even acknowledge it. And by not acknowledging it, what I mean was he didn't say hello to me. He didn't say, I'm so sorry about your dad. How's everyone doing? He rang me up and said, so what the fuck are we getting in the will? Yeah. Do I quit my job? Are we retiring? What the fuck's going on? And A normal conversation. Yeah. And it was funny as hell. And that was it. And I was mm. like, cool happy days but then yeah it was just but as I said then no the thing that I thought and how I treat people is I try to ask pointed questions Mm -hmm. and the pointed question is is like are you okay what you know I can do x y and z for you is that all right not open-ended question, open questions don't help. Yeah. You need to be specific. That's what I think. Do you think that, that your opinion now, after the loss of your dad, would that be different to the way you would react to someone who's lost someone prior? Like, would, is that because it's changed seeing, being through it yourself? I'm trying to yeah. say, I'm not doing a really good job today, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, it, it gen, genuinely would. And I think that's one of those things where I think a lot of people, when it comes to going to funerals, unfortunately, I've had to go to a lot of them. And when you go to funerals, you never know what to say. And I'm as guilty as that as everyone else. Yeah. But then, but there are people who, when you have gone through that process, you go, okay, well, what do what do I know of this person and what do I think I should be saying to them? Yeah. Yeah. So there's some people, there's some people I cannot ring up and say, so what are we getting in the will? You've got to know what's will conversation and who's, who's not will conversation. You need yeah, to know you, that. You've got, you've got to read the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I hope my, um, my extended family are listening to this episode because they wouldn't fucking have a clue about that sort of shit. And not in a funny way. So if you're out there, peace out, people. Listen to that fucking um, How has this experience, losing your dad, how has it changed your opinion on, on your health? Like, well, you've, you've, you've experienced your grandmother's loss when you were quite young. Does it make you think about your own mortality a lot? Because that's quite a, that's quite a, 
seven is young. I didn't lose my first big loss. I, I would say would probably be my dad. I was twelve. So yeah, um, well, I, all of my grandparents. Well, one died before I was even born, but the rest of them died when I think my la the last of my grandparents was my grandmother with Alzheimer's, and she died when I was in year year twelve. Okay. Um. Uh, so, but yeah, um, it has, well, has it changed the way I think about that? Probably not. Maybe it does, maybe it did. I don't know, but because I was a kid when I was little, but my, my, my idea of death has always been the same. Like you very well know, like I'm not religious in the slightest. So as far as I'm concerned, when you're dead, you're dead. Right. Yeah. So that side of things has not changed one iota. Yeah. Um, you get an ailment, I, if you get sick, do you automatically think, fuck, I've got cancer, I'm dying? Or is that just me? No. Nah. <laughs> nah. Like, I got, I got a reaction the other I got a reaction. I had my booster for COVID the other, the other last yeah, week the other or week, whatever yeah. it was. Mm. And I suddenly got this, like, growth under my arm mm-hmm. and I went oh that's a weird reaction to the COVID thing mm. and so I like I googled it to f- see like whether or not I should go to the doctor or not and the first thing it said was you probably got cancer and I was like oh yeah fuck off Dr Google <laughs> yeah Dr Google is no good yeah. <laughs> I was like oh, okay good <laughs> yeah but yeah no I don't immediately think that no. it probably and- would it probably death and going through deaths it probably would have been good if it had more an effect on my thought process around my own health because i've treated my body less like a temple and more like a pissing post (laughs) so so but that would be handy but it hasn't um yeah it's just Yeah. yeah i don't know do you um have you talked about death more like is every so you said that you and your mum both it was you and mum both you don't want to you are on the same sort of plans you don't want a funeral or anything like that have you openly talked about that so people are aware danielle's aware your wife's aware yeah yeah so like um uh, Danielle's very aware that I don't want to uh, don't want a funeral, and if she's forgotten, this will be a healthy reminder to her. I'll be there. Don't um, worry, I'll say it. Um, <laughs> I might not be there, but I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> but yeah, like, and we like my mum has gone probably the extra step of putting all of her wishes down in writing. Now she did that after she passed. No, she she sort of thought about it prior to, but she's she's definitely revised it over the years. But like, so for instance, she's very specific. She doesn't want a funeral. She does want a wake. She you know she wants everyone to have a good knees up and have a good time and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, Me, I couldn't care less. Um, Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It would be good if you could get me taxidermied. Um, I've joked about that so many times, but it's so nice to hear somebody else say that. Ah, I want to be taxidermied in a way that I can still have movable joints so that you can change me around, so you can put me in the bed, you can put me on the lounge, 
like the power in the I, I, No, I want to be used as a as a hat rack at the front door. <laughs> so everyone has to see me as they come through the door. And if you get if you get stuffed um, in your groin region, there's an extra hat there, so you can even hang a handbag off it. It's you know it's, it's useful. Let's be honest; it's not gonna it's not gonna be working for a hat. <laughs> Maybe a beret? Come on, be, be kind. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Sorry, I have a habit of taking these episodes to the gutter. But, you know, if people are listening and are shocked. Maybe on a warm day. On a warm <laughs> I'm sure they can be generous with the stuffing. I reckon taxidermists can do some magic. I'm sure they can. <laughs> I'd want them to take stuffing out of my body when they stuff me. I want to look like a supermodel for once in my life. I want to look hot <laughs> and not including um, cremation. So, you know. Uh, do you, other yeah, than you understand that, that that that'll just make uh, David look like some sort of creep, right? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> Isn't that what wishes are about? You know, what, so you think Good your answer. family gonna look great with stuffed Nick at the at the door greeting people? That's fine by me. What's the, what's the, what's the facial expression going to be like? Is it going to be happy and welcoming with a giant smile or is it going to be menacing and the fuck out of my hands? Have I ever been happy and welcoming? <laughs> <laughs> Have you also ever been a hat rack? My point is, this is like this is like imagination land. Actually, you could have been a hat rack. I'm not going to judge. That's your kink. I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, so other than getting taxidermied, if if you if you were say for example they weren't allowed to do that do you have other plans do you want to be cremated or do you want to um compost generally generally yeah i think that's probably the best best way of doing it i mean i i don't i would i'm registered organ donor yeah so people can take of me what they will yeah um but and then once all that's done I don't care what you do. Yeah. It's up to Danielle and the kids what they yeah. want to do. I I would assume cremate me, flush me yeah. down the toilet. I don't care. <laughs> Never heard that one yet, so that's a good one. I'll put that on my list <laughs> of cremation wishes. Flush me down the toilet. Was your dad it's cremated? A, it's, not, it's not a wish. <laughs> it's not a wish. Oh, okay. It's, it's just a wish. I'm just saying I'm not going to. I'm not going to be around, so I won't be cognizant enough to care. Oh, it sounds like a serving suggestion to me. That's all. <laughs> Look on food packs. Just a serving suggestion. Just on the box. You know? Flush it down the toilet. I don't care. Do what you want. Um, uh, was your dad buried or was he cremated? No, he was cremated. What may I ask? What happened to his where his um, remains are? Are they with your mum? Yeah, um, she's got them. Dad had the stupidest idea, and I don't actually. I've got to ask Mum about this and whether or not she actually is going to go through with this. Dad had this stupid idea, and like both me and Mum thought it was nuts when he said it. Mm-hmm. He said he wants to be cremated, and Mum has always said that she wants to be cremated as well, and she wants her ashes sprinkled on the Wagonga Inlet in the rumor, right? right? Which is fine, nice, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dad has decided that he said, "Oh yeah, well, what you could do, right, is you get my ashes and mix them in with your mum's ashes, mm-hmm. and then put them wherever your mum wants." And I and I said, and like, 
your first initial thought is that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. The next thought is how the fuck am I supposed to do that? Put them both in a bucket with a blender. Like, <laughs> how, how does that work? Well, you'd take your dad's ashes to the crematorium where your mum would be, and they would do that for you. I'm sure that's a service where they would they would put they would put them in a giant maraca, and they would shake them up. <laughs> Make some lovely music together and that. Oh, look, I, I have had a lot of people. Uh, no, I haven't had a lot of people. I spoke to a gentleman who does the ashes inside glass orbs, uh, Dan, who yep. I'm from a previous episode, and he has had people get a scoop of one relative and a scoop of another relative, mostly couples, and put them together in pieces so that there's a part of them that will always be together. So I completely, I, I, don't find it stupid. Although, you know, if, if it was you doing it, then there's just going to be, all right, who's going on top? Like basically, who's just... <laughs> yeah. that's the only thing. Or you could just sprinkle them together. But I think that's actually, that's good that he just, he just, like, whatever, just, just whatever. I'll do what she's, yeah. I'll have what she's having. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Mm. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> is there anything that you want to say that I missed and didn't include or anything like that? Uh, no. Nope. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me, Nick. It's been really good and I appreciate your time and chatting me today. It was good. No worries. Take care, mate. See ya. Bye.